Romans 4th chapter. Uh, we began this journey through the book of Romans long time ago. Long time ago. And I am so thankful that I, I felt we were close enough to verse 25 that this is where we're going to start today because it's talking about uh, everything that we're going to be remembering today in our Lord being raised. And, and let's start in verse 20. And, and remember, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about Abraham and the faith of Abraham, that that even though that he was very old and though his wife was barren and beyond childbearing years, the Lord had made a promise to him that they would conceive and have a son who would be the one who would be of the lineage of Jesus Christ, that, that Abraham would be the father of many nations. And so he had this promise from God. And now in verse 20, it says that Abraham, he, that's Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God. Did not waver. Did not think twice about it. God said it. It's as good as done. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he, what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Let me pause there for a minute. Children of God, do we believe that? Do we believe that every promise that's found in the Word of God, He has promised, He is a God who cannot lie, and He's able to perform every promise that He has given to us? And therefore, verse 22, And therefore it was accounted to him, Abraham, for righteousness. Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Verse 23, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. He pause again. The same righteousness that was imputed to Abraham through faith in believing God can also be imputed to us, the righteousness of Christ. So it wasn't, this all wasn't written, this wasn't just for him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Now, I want us to also turn to 1 Corinthians 15. So let's go ahead and go there. 1 Corinthians 15, again, this is the Apostle Paul, and he gives us this tremendous gospel message that talks of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. And again, this is the Apostle Paul which also was received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that he was seen by James, 
then by all the apostles, then last of all he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the sending your only begotten Son for his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So, Father, help us today to become all the more reacquainted with that precious death, the shedding of a blood that paid our payment for the penalty for our sin, for all who believe. And, Lord, help us to know the wondrous power of resurrection. Help us now, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, the reason I want to read both of these, did you notice the parallels in in Paul's writing? Uh, In in 1 Corinthians, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Then in Romans, who was delivered up because of our offenses. Then 1 Corinthians 15.4, you can put this up. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to Scriptures. Then Romans 4.25. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So first, uh, let us consider the necessity of Christ's death upon the cross. Did Jesus have to come? Did Jesus have to die? Well, in Mark 8... Verse 31, let's read. And he, and this is Jesus, and this one, he was walking with his disciples. This is before the cross. And he is teaching them. And he, and Jesus, began to teach them, his disciples, that the Son of Man, talking of himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now, see, we know the rest of the story. And so it's very easy for us to read that and understand what he's talking about. But they didn't. Well, what's he, what do you mean this is going to happen? And, and, you know, Peter was mentioned this morning. Uh, Peter, nothing's going to happen to you. I'll see to that. But this must, must he, he must suffer. He must be rejected. He must be killed. That, that simple little article translated as must means it is necessary. It was required. It must happen. Why? To complete the work. To complete the mission that God the Father had sent His only begotten Son to accomplish. And, and what was that mission? Well, perhaps Mark uh, 10 verse 45 would explain it. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and here's why He came, and to give His life a ransom for many. See, Jesus was sent by God the Father to give His life a ransom for many, to become our Redeemer, to pay the ransom for that which was holding us captive. And what was that? Sin. Sin. Since the Garden of Eden. Since the fall in the garden, our sin had us bound in chains of iniquity under the penalty of God's holy wrath, and we were powerless and are powerless to free ourselves. 
I'll ask the question I've asked many times. What is the penalty? What is the wages? What is the cost of sin? It's death, Romans 6, 23. For the wages, the cost of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the punishment for sin before an almighty, holy, righteous, just God was death. And if Jesus was to save His people from their sin, a substitutionary payment had to be made. And who is worthy to pay such a ransom? Who is worthy to pay such a price? Can any human? No. In Psalms 49, verse 7 and 8. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever. No human, no mere man can ransom another man's soul. Can't be done. And here's a biggie. You can't ransom your own soul either. Many think that they're going to work their way to heaven. Many think that, that they've got it figured out, that they're going to bypass everything the Word of God says. No. No. In Psalms 49, drop down to verse 15. Who can? Who can redeem us? But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For He shall receive me, Selah. You see, man can't do it, but God can. Through the death of His only begotten Son. It was the only way, and it is the only way. These events that Jesus had foretold had to happen for us to have redemption. They must happen. And let's go and read in, in John 3, verses 14 through 17. Many of these things I've brought out many times in the past and looked at uh, here in this passage and, and emphasizing that word must even here. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, and here it is again, must the Son of Man be lifted up. And talking of being lifted up on a cross. Why? That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, this is that Paul recounting, uh, it's from Numbers 21, if you want to make a note there, if you, if you have forgotten that, it's in Numbers 21. We're not going to read it all today, but, but you know what had happened. Uh, the people had spoken against God and, I, and against Moses. And they were complaining. And they were being disobedient. And because of this, God sent a curse upon them. And, and what was the curse? Fiery serpents. Fi fiery serpents. I, I, angry serpents, perhaps. I, fiery serpents. And they were biting the people. People were dying. And what brought this all on? Disobedience. Speaking out against God. 
And when all of this started happening and people dying, the, the people are, are <laughs> then they're going to Moses and going, come on, Moses, talk to God. Talk to God. We, we have sinned. We know that. We have spoken against Him. And, and we are sorry. And, and ask God to, to get these snakes to stop. To, to help us that we will stop dying. And so Moses went before God and God told him to do this. And it may seem very strange, but again, we know the rest of the story. He asked him to fashion an, an image and it was made out of bronze. And that bronze image was a serpent. The very thing that was biting the people and killing them. He fashioned a bronze servant. He was told by God to stick it on a pole and to lift that pole up for all who would and tell them, look to that which is lifted up and you'll be saved. Look to that which is lifted up and you'll be saved. And sure enough, for those who had enough faith to even turn their eyes to look up, I, I can almost imagine some people... How stupid is that? I'm going to try this other thing. I'm going to do something different. I'm not doing that. And they perished. But the, those who were obedient and looked to that which was lifted up, they were saved. And we know, again, the rest of the story, that that, pic that picture of all of that was just a foreshadowing of what was to come in Christ Jesus. What was killing us? Sin. 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 What, what happened as Christ was going to the cross and was put on the cross? God made Christ to be what? Sin. Oh, preacher, where'd you get that? Second Corinthians 5 verse 21. For He, this is God, for He, God, made Him, this is Jesus, for He made Him who knew no sin, and that was Christ. The only sinless one to walk on the face of this planet was Christ. So He, God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be what? Sin. For us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You see, what happened on the cross is that God made Him, Jesus, sin. And Jesus takes upon Himself the very wrath of God. Jesus takes upon Himself the punishment for sin, pays the penalty for sin, that we might receive the cure, that we might go free, that we might have eternal life for all who would look in faith to Him who was lifted up, they could be saved. They could be saved. In Isaiah 45, verse 22, it says, Look to Me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. To look to Him, the one who was lifted up as the payment, the ransom, the rescue for sin. Jesus became the curse. Do you see that? He became the curse. What was the curse upon the people in Numbers 21? The serpents. What was the curse upon mankind since the Garden of Eden? Sin. Jesus became sin. He became the curse in Galatians 3 verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse 
for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Well, why would Jesus do that? That the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, all of that of Abraham. You see, a foreshadow of what was to come in Christ. Why would Jesus come? To redeem us. To become the curse. So that all who would look to Him in faith believing might receive the blessings of Abraham and be a part of the covenant family of God. Isn't it amazing? How the Word of God, it's all fitted together from beginning to end. What Jesus gives us from the cross is eternal life. Let's read that verse 14 and 15 in John 3 one more time. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, you understand that now, I hope. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. There's the comparison. Why? That whoever believes looks to Him in faith, believing, should not perish but have eternal life. See, without His death, there would have been no ransom paid and we would all yet be dead in our trespasses and sins. These things must happen. We understand that. Must. There was no other way. No other way. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was delivered up because of our offenses, our transgressions, our sin. And understand this. Who delivered him up? Was it the soldiers? Was it, was it Pilate? Was it Herod? Was it the, the, the Jewish mob? No. None of them lifted him up because of our transgressions. Who lifted him up? God the Father delivered his only begotten Son. Understand that. In Acts 2, verse 23, and this is from that sermon of Peter and Judah. As, as he is just scorching the Pharisees and those who were there. And this is after Christ's resurrection and His ascension. Him, that's Christ, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. Delivered up. By who? By God. By the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. And then He says, You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. In Romans 8, verse 3, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. That's why He came. Why did Jesus come? On account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Understand that the death of Jesus was a predetermined plan of God. God delivered up His own Son because of our, because of my offenses, your sin and my sin. In Romans 8, verse 32, He, God, who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. Who delivered Him up? Well, there it is. Very plainly, God. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? 
Did the soldiers take Jesus' life? Well, yes, in a sense, they did. But it was by predetermined plan. Always understand that. They didn't take Jesus' life. Jesus laid it down. Willingly, in obedience to God the Father. That's in John 10, verse 18. This is Jesus. He's talking. No one takes it from me, talking of his life. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I receive from my Father. See, that, that's, that's promise of God. Jesus willingly laid down his life so that he might redeem sinners. That was at Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. That's why He came. A full and sufficient payment was made for our forgiveness and our justification. So now, the, the resurrection. You know, from Corinthians, it was like He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures in, in Romans. He was raised because of our justification. He died... He was buried, and then He rose again. Let's read the account from Matthew. Can you bear with me if we read a bunch? Let's go. And I'm sure most of you have probably gone through the Gospels and you've read these and you've taught these and discussed these with your children and with others. But let's go to Matthew 28. Let's read 15 verses. Verses 1 through 15. This gives the account. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing was white as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen. As He said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell His disciples that He is risen from the dead. And indeed, He is going before you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples' word. Now listen to this. Verse 9. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Can, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the blessing and the privilege of being the ones to see Him first? <laughs> now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. <laughs> An elite Roman Praetorian Guard, the best of the best 
coming to tell what had happened. There was, uh, I, I'm telling you, there was an earthquake. I, I'm telling you, everything lit up. I, it, he, he's gone. Can, can you imagine this? When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. What? Why, why are they doing that? Bribery. And keep in mind, this is nothing new because what had they just done with Judas? They gave him money. And here they're doing that to these soldiers. Why? Here's your alibi. Tell them. Here's their alibi. His disciples came at night and stole him away while, while we slept. Now, again, an elite guard caught sleeping on duty. It was not course martial, it was death. So, so this isn't good news for these soldiers. And so they sweetened the pot. Here's what they tell the soldiers. And, and if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll smooth all this over. You're going to be okay. Take the money. Tell, tell everybody what we said. And we'll make sure that this doesn't all come down on your heads. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly re reported among the Jews until this day. Isn't that sad? See, the Jews today, many, most, I think I could say most, do not accept Christ as their Messiah. He wasn't the one. And whether they believe in the resurrection or whether they, any of this stuff, maybe they're, maybe they're believing exactly what they were told back then. And apparently there's some that still do. Lies and deceptions. And yet today, but the tomb was empty. He had risen. And the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians that the risen Christ was seen by many different groups of people and the one group was over 500. First uh, Corinthians 15 verse 6. This was after Christ's resurrection. After that, He, Jesus, was seen by over 500 brethren at once. A group of 500 people is a big bunch of people. We can't fit 500 people in this room. It would take almost double this size and fill it with the chairs to have 500 people. But there was a gathering of that size that saw Jesus. And then he goes on to say, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Now, keep in mind, Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians some 25 years, 20 and 25 years after the resurrection. And, and so Paul is saying, look, if you don't believe me, there was a group of 500 people and most of them are still alive. And when he said some have fallen asleep, he meant some had died. So if you don't believe me, you go and ask some people. There's people still alive that was in that group that saw him 
And it wasn't just that group. It was others. It was others. Eyewitness account of the risen Christ. Is this important? See, we accept it by faith, but aren't you thankful He supplied eyewitness account? Aren't, aren't you thankful? You see, without eyewitness account of the risen Christ, there would be doubts. If the visitor that had gone to the tomb saw it empty and, and there was no appearance by Jesus, what would have been the thoughts? Well, just like the soldiers said, they stole the body. That's why there's no body. They stole it and they took it away and they're saying He rose and He didn't. You see, there'd be questions. Or if Jesus had only been seen by His family and just that inner circle of disciples, just them, what would people have thought? <laughs> they're just making this all up. Making it all up to make Jesus look good. No. But for 40 days, different groups saw Jesus. Let's go to Acts, first chapter, 1 through 3. This is wondrous. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, and this is talking about after the resurrection, until the day in which He was taken up, the ascension, after He, through the Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom He had chosen, to whom He also presented Himself alive after His suffering, after the cross, by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Oh, I love that. I, I'm thankful that, the God, that God provided infallible proof. Yes, I believe it by faith. But oh, I'm so thankful that I can stand here and I can say, look at the evidence. Because that's what people want, isn't it? Tell us, that this is historic record. Say what they will. I am amazed at the stuff that people will believe today, but they won't believe the resurrection. They'll believe in space aliens. They'll believe in a horoscope. They'll believe in all manner of garbage. But that which they need to believe, they reject as foolishness, as fairy tale. <laughs> if Christ is not risen, then there is no gospel. The resurrection is important. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. And again, the Apostle Paul from 1 Corinthians. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witness of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. You see, if Christ is not risen, our faith is groundless. If He's not risen, then our preaching is empty. <laughs> My preaching would be empty. Why would I be up here telling about a, a risen Savior if He did not rise? My preaching would be empty. It would be futile. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Now, now listen to this. It's not enough to believe that Jesus died for your sins. 
Did you know that? You must believe in the resurrection. That's where the hope is. That's where our hope is found in the power of the resurrection. In, in Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has what? Raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. If Christ is not risen, the apostles are liars with a false testimony and the gospel is false. See, if they lied about the resurrection, then we can have no faith in, the new, in their New Testament writings. But they did not lie. Oh, preacher, how do you know? I believe it by faith. But I know this, because this is human understanding. This is human nature. You know, I might get caught in a lie, and I may hang on to that lie, and hang on to it and keep trying to keep it going, keep it going, but the moment somebody would point a pistol to my head and say, is it the truth? I tell you what, I'm going to change my story. These men all died. All died. All gave their lives because they would not back down from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I take that as an evidence that, that their message was true. Why would they die for a lie? They died defending the gospel. If Christ is not risen, then we have no hope for the future. That, that said, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Well, if they died in Christ and, and there is no resurrection, well, it, it's futile. They, they've died in vain. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are the most men most pitiable. You see, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of the future resurrection of His people. So if Christ is not risen, then this guarantee is worthless. The guarantee from 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If you confess your sins and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, He has begotten us again. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, a lot of people have this attitude in this old world today. Eat, drink, and be merry. Or tomorrow we may die. Well, at some point you will. At some point all will. They believe that this life is all there is, so let's live it up. Let's go for the gusto. All that we can. And they have no hope beyond this life. No hope. See, if Christ is not risen, then this world is it. Apart from Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior, the best they've got is right now. Because when they die, we know the reality of what's coming for them. And it's going to be worse. But Christ did rise. And we have hope. Paul wrote that in Thessalonica, there's a bunch of believers and they had been hearing that, that Jesus was going to come back and, and, and people were going to be resurrected or, or be taken up with Him. And, and they were concerned because many of their loved ones had died. 
well, 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 he hasn't come back yet. I thought he was coming back. Where's he at? Well, well, they've died and now there's no hope for them. You see. But, but here was the word. Paul gave this word. First uh, uh, Thessalonians 4, verses 13 and 14. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, again, those who have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. You understand that? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus, those who have died in Christ. And then at the close of Paul's message, verse 18 says this, Therefore comfort one another with these words. You see, there is a comfort in times of death. There is a blessed hope that we will see our friends and loved ones again who have died in Christ. And we have the sure expectation of a bodily resurrection. Our bodies will not stay in the grave. We will rise again as Christ did. We are not of all men most pitiable if we are in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians again, chapter 15, verses 51 through 52. Behold... I tell you a mystery. Hey, this this is, isn't it? This the, oh, it, one day it'll all be it'll all be revealed and it'll all be made very evident and very true for us. But Paul says, "Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible." And we shall be changed. For this corruptible, talking about this old body, must put on incorruption, spiritual body. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We have a blessed hope. There's victory in Jesus and in His resurrection. That because Christ rose, we too shall rise to be with Him. And Jesus said in John 14, verse 19, A a little longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Well, how can that be? He's died. He's he's, he's ascended. Because I live, you will live also. Because He rose, we too shall rise. Because I live, you will live also. Now we, we sang it this morning. Can, can we sing a little bit of it again? Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, 
All fear is gone Because I know He holds the future And life is worth the living just because he lives christ died a ransom for sin to pay our debt of sin again romans 4 verse 25 who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification See, I believe that the resurrection is God's proof provided for our benefit that we might know that Christ's atonement has been accepted. What, what do you mean? I look to the cross and I know that atonement has been made for my sin. Christ died for my sins. And I look to the empty tomb and the risen Savior and I know that the atonement has been accepted by God the Father, and that I am forgiven, and that I have a living hope, that I have received eternal life through Jesus Christ, that He is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. In the cross, atonement was made. In the empty tomb, and the risen Savior, I believe that that is a, a significant event that, that lets me know Christ has ascended, has gone back to the Father. If I go, if I go, I'll come again. And that the atonement has been accepted by God the Father as payment for all who would believe. Let's read again 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-5. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. Let's read again Romans 4, verses 23-25. through 25. Now it was not written for His sake alone that it was imputed to Him, but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in whom He raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, was delivered up because of our offenses, and was raised because of our justification. So I, I believe that, that in this message today, the Gospel has been presented. Has it? I, I pray that it has. And I also know this, in Romans 10 verse 17 it says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God has been presented, has been heard today. And, and Jesus said this uh, to, to the one in John 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me, though he may die, he shall live. See, again, we know the rest of the story. We know what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about a sure resurrection for all those who have believed and have died in Christ. 
And then the question becomes, do you believe? Have you received Christ? Have you confessed Him as Lord? Have you repented of your sins? Have you turned from your sin and follow Him? But let's read once again from Romans 10, verses 9-13. through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Now let me pause there. Saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God. Saved from condemnation. Saved from hell. Verse 10, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So believe on Him. Call upon Jesus in faith. And you will be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give thanks for Your Word. I give You thanks that You sent Your only begotten Son with a predetermined role to play. And that was to be our Redeemer, our Savior. Thank You that He was willing to go to the cross for such a sinner as I. Thank You that His atoning blood that was poured upon the mercy seat was received as full payment for the sins of all those who would just look to Jesus and believe. Father, thank You that that You have given us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ that because He was raised, we have a sure, sure assurance of faith that we too will not be left in the grave, but that we will rise and be together forevermore with Him in glory. Father, should there be one who would listen to this sermon and they are yet lost in their sin, I pray that by Your grace and by an act of mercy, Lord, You would open their eyes to see the truth. That You would grant them faith that they may believe. That You would grant them repentance from their sin as they cry out to You confessing their sins. And that, Lord, You would draw them close. That You would forgive them. That You would receive them and call them Your own. And, Lord, uh, help them then that they may turn from their sin all the days of their life. That they may, may seek to follow You and be obedient to You and give glory to You. Father, for those of us who, who are born again, help us to minister the gospel in the life that we live. Help us to minister the gospel to some that You would place in our path, that You would call us to speak a word of kindness, to speak a word of truth, to make a stand and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but to just share truth in love. So Father, we just come to You giving thanks. You're the great God, the one true God. We give you thanks. We worship you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.